Well, good morning, New Anthem. How are you guys doing today? Oof, that's kind of a weak response. Let me try that one more time. How are you guys doing today? That's a little bit better. If you guys don't know me, my name is Shelby, and I'm actually the worship pastor here, and it has been an honor being able to lead you guys to the throne each morning so we can lay everything down in worship. Um, But today, um, if you don't know Ryan, he was leading. Um, He's a great guy, and he stepped in for me today so I could come and bring you guys kind of what's been on my heart and my message that I've been kind of studying. Um, Would you guys just pray with me first, and then we'll kind of get started this morning. So, Father, we are thankful that we can come in this place and we can learn more about you. We can think rightly about you. Lord, we're so grateful for your body, like Ryan was saying, for the body of Christ, that we can gather here freely, Lord. So I pray this morning that the message would be your words and that your words would reach the believer and the unbeliever hearts alike, Father. That people would be transformed by your message this morning. And we pray these things in your name. Amen. So I was a scared little child. I'm going to start there, okay? And let me, let me kind of give you some demonstrations. When I used to take out the trash at night, um, one of the things I did is I'd grab that trash bag. My parents would make me take out the trash. They were pretty mean people. Um, they made me take out the trash, and I would grab that trash, and I would run down the driveway and run back. I mean, that was it. I would look around, and i hear something, and I would scream. I mean, I was scared as a little child. I remember one time in particular, it was a cold night, maybe the winter, I don't know, but my window was open, and my brother and I had bunk beds, and I was laying on the top bunk, and my dad comes in, I must have been asleep, he comes in to close the window because it was cold, and I came out of bed about to punch him in the face. I mean, there was some intruder in my house, (laughs) like that was real for me, and so I was a very scared person, and my dad ends up saying, Shelby, oh, it's just me, it's just me, I'm just closing the window, it's cold in here. I I was a fearful child, but even though I was fearful, I loved to play this game of hide-and-seek. And at my house, we called it hide-and-seek in the dark. I don't know if that's just kind of weird or what, but we called it hide-and-seek in the dark because we actually played it in our basement. We turned off all the lights, and it was pitch black in the basement, and we played a game of hide-and-seek. My parents used to hate we played that game because we'd always leave like a blanket or something on the stairs, and they would slip and almost kill themselves. So, but we loved this game of hide-and-seek, and... I remember one time my brother um, was counting, and he got to 30, and he was coming down the stairs, and he, of course, he comes right into the room I'm in. I don't know if he has, like, some spy in there or what, but he comes in that room, and he's, like, really close to me, and I got this fear, and it's just, it's just like, oh, man, he's going to catch me. I got to get up and run. I was faster than him, okay? I'm still faster than him, let me, let me tell you, but I was getting ready to run, and then somebody made a noise in a different room, and he ends up catching them instead of me, but I bring this all to your attention because not a lot of people know what was going on in those three days that Jesus was, was still in the grave before he came back, right? A lot of people think we end up, we teach that Jesus died, we teach Passion Week, and then we teach that he rose from the grave. But what about those three days in there? Well, I bring this up because the disciples, yeah, Jesus' greatest followers, were playing hide-and-seek. That's what they were doing. They were hiding in fear of the Jews, in fear that what happened to Jesus was going to happen to them. They were fearful, and they were fear of being caught. They played it on a much larger scale, however, obviously, than what I played. I wasn't in fear of my life. Um, but let me, let me kind of illustrate this. In John twenty nineteen, he brings this up. 
On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. Man, that's a powerful verse. It tells us what's going on when Jesus is still in the grave. It's telling that the disciples were hiding. And then Jesus comes back and says, Peace be with you. And they're like, well, first they kind of question, you know, is this even Jesus? Can this really be him? Right? Jesus' closest followers, they hid until Jesus came back. This morning, though, I have great news. You see, Jesus rose from that grave, and we no longer have to be scared. We no longer have to be scared. We no longer have to fear anymore, because Jesus did come back. He did what he said he was going to do, right? Because when he said it was finished, I believe it. So last week, we studied Acts 2, right? And we're going to kind of skip Acts 3, and we're going to go into Acts 4, and that's what I'm going to talk to you guys about today. But in Acts 2, we realize um, <clears throat> that every moment, every movement begins with a moment, right? In Acts 2, if you read Acts 2, it's about the Pentecost, right? When Jesus ascended into heaven, and then the Spirit of God literally came down and descended upon the followers. See, that moment right there changed things for the rest of history. You see, because if you believe in God today, then you have the Spirit of the living God in you. He's actively moving and actively doing work in your life. And so you skip ahead to Acts 4. We're going to study today, and we're going to be in Acts 4, 32 through 37. But I kind of want to highlight what's going on in Acts 4 before we get there. So in Acts 4, you have Peter and John. The the, the scene kind of opens up with Peter and John, and they're out testifying of the good news of Jesus, and they're bringing the gospel to these people. And the Sadducees, this religious leader group, decides, okay, this, this can't happen anymore. So they arrest Peter and John. And they, you know, they question him, you know, what authority are you doing this under? And they're just continuing to preach the good news, continue to say, well, this, this is Jesus. This is who we're following. This is by the word of which we speak. And so Jesus, or not Jesus, but <clears throat> Peter and John are arrested, and they're questioned. And then the Sadducees are like, you know what? We don't want to cause any more trouble, any more riots or anything. These are uncommon, uncommon educated men, but yet they were followers of Jesus, so we're not going to cause any more riot. And so they decide, okay, we're going to let Peter and John go. And they let Peter and John go, and they say, okay, don't speak of this anymore. That's all they say, right? But do you think that really stopped them? When you read on, does that stop Peter and John from going out and preaching the good news? Man, should that even stop us? That's my, I mean, my question, I think, sometimes in, in fear of being persecuted and stuff. And I know, you know, maybe a lot of you haven't had to face that, but even in that fear, should that really stop us from claiming the name Jesus? No. In fact, so you go on, and the disciples and the apostles filled with the Spirit testified of the resurrected Christ. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. So if you have your Bible— I would encourage you to open it to Acts 4, 32 to 37. Guys, I would encourage you each week to bring your Bible. Man, I, I can't tell you, if you're not bringing your Bible, if you don't have a Bible, there are some at the back table, but I don't want you to just take my word for it of what's, of my interpretation of Scripture. I want you to go home and read. I want you to learn like I'm learning. Um, but if you don't have your Bible this morning, there it is on the screen so you can follow along with me. So Acts 4, we'll start at verse 32. Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul. And no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. 
And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them, for as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to each as any had need. Thus Joseph, who was called by the apostles Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, a Levite, a native of Cyprus, sold the field that belonged to him and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. There's such this radical change, right? You go from fear, literally the apostles and people, the followers of Christ were fearful, and then the Spirit filled them, and now they're testifying. That's crazy. If you, if you really look at that, they go from fear to testifying, and, and that's just, it kind of baffles me that when God's Spirit comes on these people, they say, okay, you know what? I'm no longer in fear. Jesus is who he said he was. So I'm going to go out and preach that message. And the word, and the Greek word for testify is maturo, which means to bear witness to, to give evidence to, right? That's what the disciples and the apostles were doing. They were going out giving evidence to, hey, this is my life. This is my story. But my story is imperfect without Jesus, right? Jesus has made me whole. And that's what the disciples were doing. They were going out and preaching that. They're preaching the good news. You see, the story of the resurrected Christ connects Christians. So let me think about, think about that for a second. The story of the resurrected Christ connects all Christians, right? Not just everybody that's sitting here, but every other church that's meeting right now, we're all connected because we all believe in one thing that happened 2,000 years ago. that Jesus died on the cross for our sins, That story connects me to you. It connects me to all the Christians around the world. Those that are being killed right now, that are martyrs. We're all connected because we believe in this one true event that happened. Right? We're all of one heart and soul because of that event. So I want to share this morning my story. When I was growing up, um, first, second grade maybe, I used to tell kids in my class, I had a kid ask me one day, he's like, Shelby, I don't understand why you look different than I do. And I said, I don't know what you mean, man. (laughs) I don't know what you mean you look different. And he's like, well, your skin color's different. And I was like, yeah, you know, sure. And I used to tell kids the reason my skin color was different is because my mom tanned a lot when I was in her stomach. And that (laughs) was the reason that I was black. I I didn't really know any better. You see... I grew up with great parents, and, you know, it wasn't until then my parents were like, hey, by the way, uh, you probably shouldn't tell people that. There's, there's a little more of a reason for that, and, you know, they told me I had a biological father, but, see, none of that mattered to me at that time. You see, I grew up with wonderful parents. My dad was amazing. He's an amazing man, and my mom, and they, they raised me to be who I am today, and I'm so thankful for that. But what they're probably not so thankful for is how much money I cost them, Okay. <laughs> I loved sports, man. I loved sports. I started playing football in third grade. I was playing on all-star baseball teams, um, MAYB basketball teams, and that was my life. And I grew up, and that was pretty much all I knew. I mean, my parents were traveling with me, um, making every game they could on top of work, and I'm so thankful for that. I grew up, and I went into high school, um, and I was still playing sports. My freshman year... I remember this so clearly because it was kind of a funny story. My, I was playing football, and this girl asked me to be her boyfriend, kind of 
counterculture there. And I told her, um, no, I'm playing football, so that's not going to happen. <laughs> that's what I told her. I was like, uh, I don't think that's going to work out because, see, my focus is here on this sport. Um, and that was it. And so, I mean, growing up, that's what I wanted to do. I dressed up in Halloween to go play in the NFL. I mean, so obviously that didn't happen because I'm here. <laughs> but um, I got to my sophomore year of high school, though, and something radically changed in my life. You see, I believed in God up until that point. I believed that he existed. You mean I followed him? No, I was far from following him. Um, I prayed, I don't know, when I felt like it, when maybe I needed something or something like that, but that was it. So my sophomore year of high school, one of the other things I loved to do was track. Um, I loved track because I was quick, and I used to beat people in races. I mean, that was fun for me. Um, but one of the, the greatest events that I loved was pole vaulting. Um, as a pole vaulter, as a freshman, I was already pole vaulting 11-6. So it was, it was crazy. I was getting way up in the air, way too high for my mom. She didn't come and watch a lot of my track meets for that reason. Um, it's probably good, too. So my sophomore year, I was ready to break our pole vaulting record at Mount Ridge. And I went up to vault 12 feet one day with this new pole. And I went up 12 feet in the air. And then I came back down head first in the metal pit. You see... I somehow walked out of that pit, passed out at the fence, and then got into the locker room, was able to dial my mom's phone number, and then our uh, manager at the time talked to my mom and told her what happened. And my mom was an EMT, and she's still in medical field. And so she came, and I don't remember any of this until about Newton Medical Center. I got to Newton. They did a scan, and they said, all right, we need to ship him out. Um, He's got a brain bleed. And so... Went from Newton to Wesley. Wesley found that I had a skull fracture and a neck fracture as well. Um, But see, the great news behind all of that is I'm standing here today because of God, right? I am standing here because of the grace of God. And I'm so thankful for that. You know, because the doctor comes in, he says, hey, uh, you do realize um, we're not sure how you're alive right now. And I was like, feeling good. I know what you're talking about. Some good medicine. (laughs) Um, And... You know, he comes in and he tells me that. But that whole time, you think that I would be grateful for God saving me, but I wasn't. And I, I just wasn't at that time. In fact, I told God, I was like, look, um, you run my life. That's what I told him. I was like, you know that I wanted to be in the NFL playing football the rest of my life, playing college ball. And I was like, but you run my life. And I remember one night sitting up praying, and God— I mean, he just, he dealt with me that night. And he said, Shelby, man, you have such little faith. He said, you have such little faith. Don't you understand that my plans for you are so much greater than a sport? And I was like, Lord, I don't care. I don't want your plans. I want my own. Right? This is what I want to do. And he said, no, you see, my plan is so much greater for you. And I was like, Lord, fine. You know what? I'll think about it. Just let me play football one more time. My whole junior year, I sat out of sports, all sports. Um, I was out of a neck brace in three months. That's unheard of. It was crazy. And not only that, but my senior year, I went back and got my x-rays. And the doctor said, dude, I, I don't know how you healed so fast. They're like, you can play football this year at your own risk. I played football at my own risk. <laughs> I mean, I had to. You know, my mom was like, you know, you probably shouldn't. But I was like, mom, just let me play I can't believe the way that God worked through all of that. To be able to play the game again, 
you know, then I got done with that season. Um, we lost first round of playoffs. We weren't very good. So, but it was still a good season, and I got done, and then I got x-rays again, which means I'm probably going to have cancer because I've had a lot of radiation. But I, I got x-rays again, and he, the doctor was like, okay, you're not playing college ball. They hit a lot harder. Um, the game's a lot faster. And so I said, okay, fine. Fair enough. So I went into music. Um, first two years of college, I was in the Butler Headliners, which is a show choir. And so I did a lot of singing and dancing, and I did not know how to dance. So, and I still don't know, so don't ask me how. Um, but I went into that show choir, but I started going to this youth group, this Bible study on Tuesday nights. And I started meeting with this pastor one-on-one, and he started discipling me. And, and then he said, Shelby, you know, tell me your story. And I told him this exact story that I told you. And he's like, hey, now tell me your story in light of what Christ did. Testify to the resurrection. I said, what, is that, what are you even talking about? Like, what does that mean? And he said, well, wait a second. You're here, not just physically, but spiritually, because Jesus died 2,000 years ago on the cross for you. And I was like, that's a lot, of, that's a lot to take in. And he was like, that's it, though. That's, that's your story. The rest, everything else you talked about, great. You know, I understand that you, what you've been through. But your story today is the fact that Jesus died and then rose three days later. He rose to give you eternal life, to call you a child of God. And that, guys, that's my story. My story isn't that I broke my neck. My story isn't that I struggled with whatever in high school. My story is Jesus That's my story. You see, our stories, they began with Jesus. It's still Jesus. It'll always be Jesus. It'll never stop being Jesus. Never. But I need to tell you something, okay? My story, our story, for those of you that follow Christ, our story, if it's not connected to the primary source, it's pointless. It's nothing. It's void. It's empty. We have nothing if it's not connected to the primary source. You see, we can't be of one heart and mind if we're all telling a different story. If I come and ask you what your story is and you tell me, this is this, my life, you know, I did this, 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 and I never hear Jesus, then our stories aren't connected. They're not. Because Jesus is what connects us as Christians, as followers. It's Jesus. It's got to be Jesus. Guys, because I'm telling you what, if it wasn't for him, I'm not standing here today. I remember when I got the call to ministry, and Jesus said, Shelby, you're going into ministry? I told him, yeah, you're kidding me. Like, there's no money in that. There's not a chance I'm going to go <laughs> into ministry. And he said, well, yeah, yeah you're going to go. And sure enough, here I am in ministry. <laughs> I mean, I was going to the med field. I was like, Mom, I'm going to do what you do. Dad, what you do is too crazy. I can't be a police officer. I don't know how to do that. So I'm too fearful. Um, so I got into ministry. But guys, I'm telling you, your, our stories, if they're not connected to Jesus, then they're pointless. Think of it like this this morning. Trains, right? We all have a love-hate relationship with trains. Because sometimes you sit at those things for 30 minutes. Sometimes, some people love them. See, I grew up loving trains, and here's why. My grandpa, um, great guy, when there was a train, he would yell trains, and us kids would slide the, these chairs up to the window because we were short, and I'm still pretty short. But we would slide these chairs up to the window, and we'd watch these trains with my grandpa. 
And that was great. And so now when I sit at a train, that's how I remember my grandpa. I say, man, my grandpa used to love to watch these trains go by with us. So that's what I remember. I don't sit at these trains all angry, you know, yelling at stuff and I don't know whatever else people do at trains. But I sit there and I'm, I'm grateful, um, even if they make me late. And that's weird, I know. But these trains, you ever pass the train station and you see the trains that are connected, right? And then you see the, the carts that are, that are kind of beaten up. They've got graffiti on them. They're not really being used anymore. Guys, that's the unbeliever. If you're here this morning and, and you don't believe in, in God, that's you because you're not connected to the story. You see, but I got great news for those of you who do not believe this morning. Great news is that Jesus died for you, right? Jesus died for you. Not just me, but everybody here he died for. And see, our job as believers is to go out and do exactly what the apostles were doing. That's our calling, to go out and testify to the resurrected Christ. You see, when we do that, we take that beat-up train car, the one that's been through so much that's got graffiti on it, and we clean it off. It becomes new, and we connect it back to the track. We restore it back to a right relationship with God. That's what we do, and that is our calling Guys, that is our calling, right? To go out and make disciples, baptize them. That's it. You know, I remember being fearful. What do I, how do I do that? How do I go out and tell people about Jesus? That's just what I'm doing this morning. It's not that difficult. You share your story. Share your story in the light of Christ. It doesn't matter what your story is. It doesn't matter how bad you were. It doesn't matter that you grew up in church all your life. Yeah, there's, there's so many different stories. I want to hear your story. Because you know what? At the end, I know what you're going to say. My story is Jesus. That's my story. My story is years ago, this guy died for me. So the second part of this, this passage here, if you read verses 34 to 37, you see that all these people are coming together and they're giving things away for a reason. And when I was reading this, I was kind of like, okay, wait a second then. When we're transformed and we follow Christ, if you look at this passage, what we see is it's a natural reaction to be generous. It's natural. When we're following Christ, it's just a natural thing. You know, it's, it's only natural when you have received the greatest gift of all to give that to others. It's only natural. I know for me, when I first started following Christ, I was on fire. I was like, have you heard about the Lord? Have you heard about the Lord? Have you heard about the-? I mean, that was me. And I remember going home one day, and, you know, I was just talking about Jesus all the time. People were like, is that all you talk about now? And I'm like, yeah, unfortunately, that is. I mean, that's my passion now. And, and so it's only a natural reaction to want to give. You know, when you see that homeless person on the side of the road, it shouldn't only be natural for you to say, man, they need this more than I do. Or to clothe the, the poor, right? To feed the hungry. It should only be a natural reaction for us to want to go and serve when Jesus died for us, when we're transformed. And you see in the apostles, when, it, when they're telling and they're becoming uh, filled with the Spirit, it's natural for them to just sell everything. They're just like, okay, I don't need this. There are more people here that, that are needy. In fact, they even mentioned this guy, Joseph. And I kind of wondered, why do they mention Joseph and they don't mention anybody else's name in that passage? Well, what I came to the conclusion is Joseph 
had a lot more things than most people. He was kind of a, more of a richer man. He had a huge field, and he said, I don't need this. Let's come together, and nobody here is going to be needy. And that, to me, that is just radical. I mean, that's crazy. I don't know how many of you would sell all your stuff and just say, okay, I'm going to go. I mean, think about that. If God says, hey, Shelby, today I want you to sell everything and move to Africa, and I'm gonna, you're going to minister, that'd be tough. But I tell you what, I could do it because I know that Jesus has called me to it. And I know that he's inside me and he's going to work. Yeah, I remember last year I went to Jerusalem with um, my professor Larry and some other people in this group. And I remember my mom was like, Shelby, you are not going. There's just too much violence and stuff down there. It's not going to happen. It's like a three-week trip. And I was like, Mom, I'm going. I got to go. And sure enough, I went, and she probably cried for hours, I'm sure. <laughs> but I went. Um, guys, I'm just telling you today, when you're transformed by Jesus, it's natural to go out and just give to others, to share your story with others. It's a natural thing. We have serve day coming up, and I think a lot of people think serve day is a day just to skip church. It's like, okay, serve day is coming up. I don't have to go. Landon's not going to preach. Shelby's not going to come and lead worship. We're serving together. Ugh, who wants to do that? It's going to be hot outside. We're going to have to clean. But when I really think of serve day, I think of it as giving back to the church, giving back to God, saying, hey, look, I've come to serve you now, right? See, Jesus years ago came and served us by dying on the cross. And for me, it's only a natural reaction to do whatever I can to serve him while I'm here. And so don't just skip serve day because, I don't know, whatever excuse you have. Um, I mean, come and serve. Come and, come and be ready to serve with servant hearts on serve day. So let me close with this this morning. I have three questions I want to ask you. Three questions. First one, what is your story? What's your story? What truly is your story? Is your story connected to my story? Is your story connected to other Christian stories, to other people in here? Is it connected? Secondly, is your story connected to the primary source? Is it connected to Jesus? When you tell your story, is it about Jesus or is it about you? You see, in other words, is our story, is your story about you or does it point to the saving power of God's grace. At some point, you were transformed. Does your story point to that? Because I could come in here and tell you a story about how I broke my neck and make you feel sorry for me or whatever else. But I don't want you to feel sorry for me. I want you to feel joyous that I found Christ and he saved me. That's our story, right? And finally, this is a huge one. Are you being generous with your story? Are you sharing it with others? Are you being generous with the greatest gift of all? If God has changed your life, don't you want other people to have that? Or do you want it all for yourself? You see, when, when God has changed our lives, it should only be a natural reaction to go out and say, hey, here's Jesus. Here he is. He died for you. 
you know, for some of you today, you don't, you don't know him yet, and you're still wondering, is this Jesus' character real? Guys, I'm telling you, I'm living proof that God is here. He's active. He's living. And he wants to change your life. And some of you are thinking, you know, but what, what about all the stuff I've been through? What about everything I've done wrong? Jesus says, son, daughter, it doesn't matter. Come to the cross this morning. Lay it all down. He doesn't say, hey, change your ways, and then I'll change, and then you can come to me. No, he says, come to me, and I'll help you change. He says, man, years ago I died for you. I died for you, all of you. That's God's grace. That's who he is. If you want to know more, I mean, I'm, I'm more than willing to sit down with you and share the gospel with you. I'm more than willing. There are tons of people in here that are more than willing to tell you the good news. So guys, I'm telling you though, for all of you who are like, I'm too fearful to talk to somebody about God, guys, the Spirit, the Spirit's in you. He's going to give you the words to say. You're not doing it alone. It's not like you have to go out and give a presentation. You just got to go out and let the Spirit guide you. And it starts just sharing your story. Everyone in here has one. Would you guys pray with me this morning? Father, we are so grateful that you have called us children, that you love us, that we can worship you, that we can hear your message in a powerful way, that we can hear your voice. Lord, this morning I just pray that anyone in here that's that's struggling today, Father, you would break those chains. You would heal them. You would just bring them close to you. Father, this morning, everyone in here has a story. Lord, everyone in here has a story, and that story began with you and it ends with you. Lord, I just pray that these people would have a fire in their heart to go and share their story with others. They would share their story with others. They would help bring people to you because that's our calling here on earth. This life is so short and all you ask from us, Father, is to just follow you and bring others along with us. There's some of you out there today that do not believe in God, but you want to. And so I ask you right now to just say these words with me. And there's not any power in these words or anything, but I just want you to say this with me. You say, Lord, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I have sinned against you. I'm sorry for that so long of my life I haven't been following you. But then say, Jesus, come into my life. I accept you in my life. Change me. Help me. Help me follow you, Lord. God is so good, guys. I mean, I can't, I can't stress that enough. Lord, you are perfect in all of your ways. And this morning, we acknowledge that. So Jesus, I pray that as we go from this place today, we would proclaim the name of Jesus. Ever and always, Father, 24-7, just proclaiming your name, your greatness. 
So Lord, we're thankful. We pray this in your name. Amen.